Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 179 of the All the Great Podcast. I'll be your host today, Patrick. And joining me today are my two gargantuan co-hosts. I am Stinky Paul of Dookie Colt. Uh, uh, I don't know if that's a good kaiju name. Uh, it's it's Hedora, pretty much. I mean, yeah, but that's Hedora. You know, that means sludge. You just yeah. called yourself Stinky Poo Poo Man. I don't know if that's something you want yeah, to stick. That's uh, what I am, bro. Uh, how about we call a cult uh, Kuso Jira because uh, Kuso means poop or excrement. And um, we could put a little OG in there, make it like kind of like old man, so shitty old man monster. Yes, I am big shitty old man monster. Yeah, that's okay. That It's a personal choice. If that's his, that's his. Uh, I'm Wenzel. Ooh, scary. The most frightening monster yeah. of all. Wenzel's base humanity. I'm going to have to run from him for sure. Godzilla's not going to be able to fight him off. Man, thank you. I just, I just, man, you're just really feeding my ego. Thank you. So, yeah, see, Wenzel's transformation to a kaiju isn't like through radioactivity. His just ego just swells his body until it just, like, just a giant floating head and the military has to shoot down. Yep. That's- He's Balloon Boy, too. There's this kid up in there. Well, if that's any head of what we're talking about today, this is the second installment of the Kaiju Overview. And we have three more movies to talk about in the Kaiju genre today. And the first movie we'll be talking about on the list is 1956 Rodan, or as it's known in Japan, Sora no Radon, or literally Giant Monster of the Sky Rodan. It was directed by Ishiro Honda, special effects director by Eiji Tsuburaya, and score by Akira Ifukube. And this movie, it stars, in, or excuse me, this movie starts in a small mining village that is grit with strange and grisly murders that slowly evolve into monster mayhem. So, what did y'all think of Rodan? I uh, I liked it. It was a it's a very fun movie. Uh, I watched it in July uh, when we were originally we planned to do this episode a lot earlier, but. Uh, what from what I remember, I really enjoyed it, except for the exp- ending part where explosions happened for thirty minutes. But I really loved Rodan's uh, little baby form. I don't know if what to call that, but it, it was pretty damn cool. Uh, it was just his hatchling form, I guess. I mean, I mean, really though, like he didn't really change much when he got out of that damn egg. <laughs> yeah. He just went. He just got a, a little less Pretty baby. Much. Um. Uh. Yeah. I. I liked it. You know. I. It's been a while since I've seen it. So this is probably the second time I've ever seen it. And um. Yeah. It was uh. They. <laughs> you know. It's about as good as an old kaiju movie can get. You got like um. This fucking screaming ass dinosaur flying through the sky. I remember. I remember. Um. That was like actually a terrifying thing was uh how every time it would fly it would uh destroy shit. I'm like I remember as a kid I was like, Yeah <laughs> And then now like I'm glad they implemented that uh again in um Godzilla King of the Monsters with Rodan, so that was pretty neat. Um and um uh man Yeah, it was just uh the the it was just all around fun. And just to get like this is actually my 
second time watching. I think I saw it on AMC or TMC, one of those classic movie channels. Like, years it probably ago. had to be TMC, TC, uh, TCM, Turner Classic Movies. Yeah, TCM. Because they they'll do uh, Godzilla marathons, you know, because they uh, I think they like um, they have like a, a connection or something with Criterion, so they show old movies and stuff. And they're like, whenever I got the chance, like, it feels like it was a, it was a rare treat that a channel would have, like, a Godzilla marathon. Like, you see it on TMC every once in a while or maybe the sci-fi channel because, you know, th- those rights are held up. But I remember being really impressed by Rodan as a kid because Rodan was actually probably my favorite Godzilla kaiju for a while because Pteranodons were my favorite dinosaur as a kid. Yeah. This is a good dinosaur. And... And actually, uh, Rodan is his name is taken from like a port, not like a uh, I guess a truncation of Pteranodon. And the difference between the name, because it's Radon in Japan and Rodan in the states, uh, there was a a theory for a while that 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 name change was due to a mistranslation, but it's really due to Toho deliberately changing the name for international lease to sort of avoid confusion with the, the radon yeah radon. yeah i was about to say like that would that would definitely be weird and um well i remember when the kid like i knew rodan was like a, a part of the godzilla mythos and i was like, confused why he wasn't a part of this movie that this is since this was made two i think two years after godzilla it's originally an unrelated like movie or character to the godzilla mythos it wasn't until they had their big sort of Avengers moment, so to speak, in Ghidorah that Rodan was officially integrated into the Godzilla series. Mm, yeah. Um, and, oh gosh, it's, you know, it's been months since we watched it, but Rodan in that movie just came out of nowhere, didn't he? Uh, yeah. Yeah, because the movie kind of starts off very differently because you have, like, this mining village, and, you know, there's all this, like, this, you know, temperatures are high because, you know, th- it's getting hot, and the summer is really beaten down. And, but all these people start dying, and they think it's because of one disgruntled miner. And then plot twist, it's actually these giant prehistoric insects that come out of the ground called the Mega Nulon. Yeah, they're, they're the larvae form of some uh, an actual prehistoric um, dragonfly, which the name... Uh, I don't. I don't know why the name was changed in the in the translation, but the name's different. It's um, ah, son of a bitch. I should have prepared for this one because I didn't know I would talk about it. But yeah, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm gonna find this. I'm gonna fill in the void of time. Mega neuron. That's that's what their original name was, but they called them mega neuron. Yeah. It's probably just the whole Eldar. Oh, for sure. Oh, for thing. sure. I just, you know, I, uh, for me, like, just for, uh, corrections or technical sake, I, I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah, because, um, because, because looking into like the history of the, of sort of the the kaiju production of it, like the Mega Nulon themselves. They went through a few different iterations in the behind the scenes. They originally they were based off termites. Then they went to mole crickets, and they finally landed on this dragonfly larva. They were the sort of the final form as, as they appear in the movie, and those, those that sort of based off like this. It's this ancient insect genus called the the mega the, excuse me um, the mega neura, which lived about three hundred five to two two hundred ninety nine million years ago, and those. 
insects would be, grow up to become dragonflies as we know them today. Of course, back then, this genus was like, had some of the largest flying insects that ever existed on Earth. Like, literally, they had a wingspan of like 30 inches across. So, just imagine a dragonfly that big. No, I'm good. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I like uh, I like bugs the way they are now. Uh, sometimes they're scary big, but I prefer them tiny. I don't I'd be very I'd be very frustrated. <laughs> uh, that's like the yeah. I'd be frustrated seeing these thirty inch long bitches flying around stealing cats, probably. Yeah, I don't want them to bite me on the neck, and I get to, uh, dragged away. I imagine they're strong as hell. They got big wings. Uh, I don't. I don't know. Yeah. They can't be that strong because you know they have. I mean, they have that exoskeleton, but like they don't have bones. So, I mean, I'm I'm certain I could kick one's ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I think I think for a um. For maybe a Twitch stream, we just lock Wenzel in a cave with a, giant, with a bunch of giant bugs and just let him see how many he can take down. <laughs> we got we need to take bets. <laughs> Wenzel, you have you have one minute to to kill as many bugs as possible. Oh God, I you know that nightmare room that is <laughs> see <laughs> like that sounds like a crazy idea, but I'm pretty sure that would uh that would just look bad on our part because I feel like that would just be animal abuse. Um, I mean, yeah, but also I feel like as soon as you entered, you'd be bit by something poisonous and you'd be dead real quick. <laughs> so I have to fight for my life. Okay. Okay. Self-defense. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, because one of those bugs has the uh, antidote, but you don't know which one. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> and one of the bugs is me in a bug costume with a knife. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, speaking of bug costumes, uh, the mega neurons themselves, the, the it has like it was composed of three actors wearing like a giant insect yeah. suit. They said, they said it was like fifteen. The, the suit itself was like fifteen feet long, and the the head. I think one. I think the head uh, actor in the suit. One of them was the legendary suit actor Haru Haru Nakajima, who played the insects in this film. Rodan himself. And he was also the original Godzilla suit actor oh, as well. Hell yeah, yeah, man! That uh, seeing that suit was like uh, you know threw me back, but also it was funny because like now seeing it with the eyes of an adult, I'm just like, <laughs> I could you can clearly see the insect legs uh, are clearly uh, man leg, some human legs and leggings, uh, insect leggings, I should say. Uh, Man, I love it. Uh, I thought it was also really funny when uh, it escapes and goes over the mountain, and then it like yes. it's getting away, but then it starts to fall very violently. <laughs> but and then it falls with like tiny little toy figures. Oh uh, uh, yeah, the two the two guys. Oh, perfect. I, I did think it was funny when like when they well, well first when the Mega Line first show up, you know, like the main character, he's just like um, trying to talk to the to the sister of the man they think is the, the murderer, and they're just kind of, like, chilling in the house, and all of a sudden, bam, this giant bug just shows up in their, ba- in their <laughs> and, back and door. And the thing is, too, you could totally hear it coming because it has, like, this... Um, uh, I, can't, I don't know what to call that sound. There's a specific sound for it, like, every monster, and, like, you could hear it, like, quietly in the background, and it's like... <laughs> it's like yeah, it, it just appeared in their house, and it was just like, what's for dinner? Yeah, I think he just wanted food. Like, he would have went away if he got some food. Yep. 
and then like then they chased the, the bug up the hill and and like you see all the cops and the miners like literally shooting at the the bug but he's not really moving on the side of the hill and they miss every single shot yeah and also something else too i completely forgot how bloody it was when it killed people like uh it uh, there, there was a part in there where it grabs two guys, and the way it grabs them, uh, it like holds them like they're hostages. It was, it was crazy. I, I completely forgot about how bloody this movie is. I love it. Yeah, and like you said, when when they um when he grabs those two guys, and then it just kind of falls down the hill, and it's tumbling with the men too. That just that's just a really funny because <laughs> it's like it's like a perfect escape, but then also it's like. <laughs> it seems really stupid, <laughs> but it, <laughs> but it's good. And then fucking later, it goes into the it goes in the cave, and uh, they bring out machine guns, and for some reason, still can't fucking kill it. <laughs> well, yeah, because that seems like a very counterintuitive plan. It's like we're gonna be in this tiny, fragile tunnel underground, and we start just unloading on this bitch with a man machine gun. thirty caliber. Safe, totally won't. Cause any cave-ins, we'll be good, guys. Yeah, just, just go for down. it. Because if we know anything about mine tunnels, is their structural integrity? Oh yeah, that's why we have so many people working in them. Tell, to name me one mine incident that that that's ever happened. Tell name me one. Um, uh, Minecraft the miners. Colt gets a point. <laughs> yeah, Pat, you're, what you said. I don't remember it. I wasn't. I was in sixth grade. I'll take your word for it. Well, well, speaking of caves, end, um, they they do eventually manage to stop one of the Mega New Line by like ramming a bunch of mine carts into it. But then, like, kind of opens up another hole where even more of these bugs come out, and the main character kind of gets trapped in the cave in as like everything starts coming down around them. And then after that, they start noticing like this weird ufo sightings across uh, the the pan asian area yep uh and <laughs> i sorry <laughs> this i i watched uh i watched i watched it late last night and then i watched three movies this morning and i my mind is uh leaving me now um yeah yeah assuming monsters i uh I don't know. Every time I see uh, stuff, I know. Like as soon as I saw Philippines, I was like, "Eh!" Like for some reason, I started, "Eh!" And then when I saw Okinawa, it, but it was funny because when they showed Okinawa, they just showed an American uh, just doing a making a telegram or something, and I was like, "Hey!" So sorry, that was, that was my yeah. moment. It's like I, those, those two places I know in Southeast Asia. I'm connected. Showing the heritage and. We're getting more and more sightings of these like strange UFOs. They're disappearing all over like China, Japan, and the Philippines. And then the main character uh, Shigeru, he he turns up in the middle of a volcano field, just like completely dazed and with uh, no sense of time or memory of what what happened in the last few hours. Nope, complete amnesia. Is this in Rodan? Did Rodan accidentally kill people just by flying over them? Yeah, and just fucking threw him. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that, that's literally what happened. Yeah, yeah, because like you see at one point, this like rich couple goes down into this like active, dangerous like volcano area, and for like pictures, and then Rodan flies over, and just like the sheer pressure of the 
down draft, I guess, crushes them. And then, and then apparently he I, eats I th- them. I thought, okay, that that one actually got me. Uh, I thought that he was, because he was flying so fast, he sucked the air <laughs> out of the out of the, uh, out of of their lungs or something. I mean, the pressure, though, that makes sense because, you know, we, if, Sorry, I'm trying to I'm trying to talk about the physics of a sonic supersonic bird dinosaur. Uh, just remember how Arceus and Palkia and Dialga exert pressure on their opponent, making them scared. But Rodan's stronger than Arceus, the creator of the Pokemon universe, so he can just kill them just by flying over them. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that makes sense. It's, it's sound. Sound is anything. And then. Uh, Thanks to seeing the little bird hats from his uh, his friend's little like canary case, he realized and then the traumatic resurgence of his memory that while he was trapped in the cave and he saw the mega new on this and he saw the giant Rodan egg hatch and eat up all the 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 uh, the mega new on larva, which apparently were just crayfish in tiny little costumes. Wait, is that what they used? It looked like it apparently, actually. Yeah, I can see that. Apparently they used a puppet to like snap up the 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 tiny like the sort of the to 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 show the scale of the monster and apparently the the larva that it eat are actually crayfish they put tiny costumes on. <laughs> that uh, that one it must have been an interesting job. Just, can you just can you yeah, just imagine did. the director going to the prop department saying, "Hey, I need little crayfish costumes," and I need them as soon as possible. This is a last second decision. You know, I don't even think it was the director. I think some, like, intern was like, you know what, make some uh, costumes. The director said he wanted tiny crayfish costumes, okay? And then... Just make them. No, no, no. Don't it, ask questions. It was it, it was the guy who operated Rodan. He wanted little tiny crayfish in costumes, and then when he, you know, ate them, he was sucking them up in a vacuum, and then when he, he was done, he would get them out, and then he would cook them. Free okay, meal. I mean... Yeah, all right. Yeah, the suit actor just had a very long, circuitous plan to have lunch while he was still in costume. Yep. And it just took 72 hours of an intern's life to make it happen. (laughs) He was never caught. Perfect crime. So anyway, we see Rodan going on a rampage throughout throughout, uh, the, the world in the city. He makes a nest back in Japan where he has like his big sort of... Like I guess the the typical giant monster movie scene where Rodan's in the city and he's just fucking shit up. Yeah, I need, I need these monsters to chill out. Do they not know how much money they cause in damages every single time they just go rampaging? <laughs> yeah. I remember being in as a kid and thinking like, man, I can't believe they did that to that city. <laughs> like, how can they repair it so fast? Oh man, and and now we realize it's modern engineering. Yeah, they just they, they built a stunt city and completely demolished yep. it. Um, what? It, it's kind of like how in Evangelion, whenever the the buildings get destroyed, they just like push new buildings up from the ground to replace yeah. them. Yeah, it's a factory. It's like that. They got a building factory underground that just pops them out. I mean, yeah. And and there was one instance that I was reading up on because there, there's a point in the movie where these fighter jets are trying to shoot down Rodan, and he's like flying through like this sort of not coastable like riverside town with a bridge and there's a point where you actually see Rodan the Rodan suit sort of flying above the water and apparently there's a point during the filming of that scene where the the wires holding up 
Nakajima snapped. Ooh. So he fell about 20 feet from the from the air to the ground. But luckily, like the water and the the the, the suit swing was able to break. Wait, fall. that's good. Are you telling me that 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 scene where we see him fall in the river that was that? No, the one the the scene where um what. That that because I don't know if they actually filmed that him falling, because the, the, I just know during the production while they're trying to film that scene he actually fell. But I don't know if the scene where you see Rodan dive into the water is actually him or a model they just sort of submerged. Because, but there was a point where there's an accident. I say that because that scene always like was weird to me even as a kid, and I thought I thought maybe as an adult I would be like I'd understand it more. I still don't get it. He Rodan literally died. I thought. Like, even now, I don't know why. I knew what was going to happen. I expected him to fly, and, like, as he flew, because, you know, he builds so much speed that it breaks the bridge. No, that doesn't happen. He he dives under the bridge into the water. The planes are like, ah, oh, we have him now, and they start shooting the water, and uh, they circle around, and then he comes out, and then he does a flyby of the bridge and destroys it. <laughs> it was really that was really weird. I would believe it if that he just fell in the water right there and they just left it in. And well, just speaking of that, that won't be the only time like an improvised moment was sort of caught on camera and and left in the final product. But they get to that point, we have Rodan who sort of makes landfall and he's sort of destroying the city by you know, blowing all the cities away. And then we get the revelation. There's actually two two Rodans, two Rodans, two for the price of one, and that's why he's it's been seen in so many different locations in such a small amount of time. Is that two were able to escape the, the volcano and now they're sort of rampaging around Japan. Siblings, I guess. I I couldn't tell you what they were. They were we just got two flying dinosaurs flying around, causing havoc. It, it, it looks like, from, from what I've been able to tell, most sources claim the two Rodans were mates. Oh, yeah. That would, I mean, that's also what I was but thinking, and that makes sense, Were too. they from Alabama Rodans? They, they could have been two separate nests in that same cave. Okay, whatever you say. Hatch at the same time. <laughs> exactly the same. Two different eggs from two different families of Rodans were planted in a volcano. At the same time, yeah, I could see it. Yeah, hey, truth is strange. Yeah, weird shit has happened. Right. Oh, are we talking about? Fi- okay, where have you been? And so the and the the military to come up with a plan since the Rodan seemed to have a an epicenter inside the volcano. They decide to while the Rodan are taking shelter in the volcano, they are going to detonate explosives inside the crater and trap the Rodan inside, and. Of course, you just see like this long extended sequence of like these explosions going off using the exact same explosion noise. It happened sort of to... at least a hundred times. See, it's the same explosion sound effect, just constantly. See, you say that, but yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I I was watching it and I. I think I might have zoned out for that, and it was, so I don't, I don't say it's that bad, but <laughs> I don't know how much I paid, paid attention to that. Yeah, it's, it's a very hypnotic sequence where you just see like explosions one after the other after the other. It kind of lulls you into like a a meditative state. That's 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 very good, Pat. Wow, you you actually nailed it on the on the head. And speaking of nailing on the head, they save all the explosions that sort of wakens wake, wakes up the road in and they escape. Also triggering a massive volcanic uh, eruption. You see, like, 
like giant lava flows pouring out of the volcano and probably destroying like all the property in the nearby area. But it seems like due to the volcanic eruption and sort of all these toxic gases, one of the Rodan is sort of overcome by the fumes and sort of crashes back into the lava flow and and, and sort of starts to burn up. And, and the remaining Rodan attempts to escape, but then seeing its mate, you know, sort of perishing in the flames, it decides to go back and to essentially die with the other one. It was beauty that killed the beast. I don't, I don't think that applies here. It was beauty that killed the beast. It was beauty that killed the beast. My name is Jack Black. Who's bald now? Five Nights at Freddy's. Is Jack Black and Five Nights at Freddy's? No, it's a TikTok thing where he's like, Five Nights at Freddy's, that's where I want to be. And he says, Five Nights at Freddy's, that's where it ends. It's a fun hypnotic TikTok that sends me into uh, Nirvana. All right, well, now let's get back to the issue at hand. Um, these fuckers died so easily. <laughs> Literally, you just like, boop, and then, and then another one goes, yeah, just like that. <laughs> well, well, it's because like the, the military couldn't hit the broadside of a barn because I feel like a lot of the destruction that happened when Rodan was in the city was more so them just firing wildly, just spraying and burning. You know, I'm learning that that's every Godzilla movie or every monster verse movie that the military because, is completely ineffective. Yeah, they just fire off huge missiles. You don't see them making impacts. You just see them firing. And- where do they? You know, and that's scary. Like, where are those? Where are those missiles? No, they're still flying. They, they haven't made See, and that's yet. terrifying. Uh, just imagine. They're still flying to this day. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, no, just think about it. They're finally free now. They, they don't... Because, they, like, missiles are like bees. Once they use their payload, they die. So if they don't make contact, they just keep going, and they're just free to live a life. It was beauty that killed the beast. Exactly. You know, and the thing is, too, like, what if what if the angle that the missile was shot, that it went, like, further into the Earth's at- stratosphere so that it got caught by gravity, so it's just spinning around the Earth? Like, just... That sounds dangerous. Like, it's like a satellite, you know? But, like, if you touch it, you'll die. Yeah, so don't ever touch... If you're ever in space, uh, be mindful not to touch any of the... The forever circling missile yeah, out yeah, there. Thank, yeah, just remember that. Watch out, cowboys. Oh, um, something. Sorry, something I was gonna say too. Rodan's music was uh very, very familiar or similar to uh you know Godzilla's iconic music as well. Yeah, the, there, there's a, that uh that famous Godzilla line or I guess uh suite that's in the film because it, it it has the same composer Akira Fukube, and I it, I, I would be willing to say it's if not the same track it's almost like 99 percent similar yeah it's still good though still good no it it's, it's a great it's a great piece of music and oh yes the the, the other improvised moment because in the moment where the second rodan is sort of dips into the fire and then comes back out that was actually an improvised moment because the puppeteer that was you know, operating that second Rodan, it got too close to the fire and actually caught on fire. But as he sort of desperately, as the puppeteer is desperately trying to get the second Rodan puppet out of the fire, the special director, the special effects director, Eiji Subaraya, like liked the moment so much he kept it in because it sort of 
added like this extra like emotion to the moment of like the Rodan's like in like struggling in pain and then sort of eventually relents and sort of decides to perish with its mate. Yeah, nice. yeah, I, that's fucking good. I I could see that. Yeah, I I mean I felt that way. Like you know, even though I was like saying like they died, you know, they died like weaklings. Um, you know, it it definitely was something, uh, especially with the with the uh, actor or the characters um, looking away because you know the pretty big uh, scientific you know uh, break not breakthrough um, huge discovery of two fucking dinosaurs still alive um, dying because they're just so destructive yeah I could understand that that'd be funny though not funny amusing if uh if the the puppeteer who was on fire uh you just see him like get in the shot trying to get the fire out and they left that in there as well to add him out <laughs> to add him both like you just see like a normal sized man trying to like he's just like furiously stepping on the the, the puppet to, to put out the fire <laughs> just to add to the emotion of the scene give me a film but yeah where we, we just keep all the behind the scenes snafus like in the film, it's just it's just one long continuous shot with no editing. Oh, it's like nineteen seventeen. Yeah, but better. Oh yes, yes, and we'll call it twenty twenty. And it's just us in our houses, and the camera uh, is recording the whole drive back and forth, no stops, because it's a single shot. Okay, and uh, you'll just catch us sitting in our room watching TV. It would also be kind of a good 20, like, for another segment of that. It's just, there's a camera in front of us, and there's a light, like, we're watching TV or something, and it's just staring at us, but, like, we look so, like, um, we look dead, like we're zombies, and uh, we're just staring, and that goes on for, like, an hour, at least. Man, this movie sounds terrible. I don't think we should give you the uh, the rights. Bitch, we will make a million dollars. At Sundance. You know what? You're probably right. We'll go to Tribeca, baby. We'll get all the awards. Sundance, uh, Tribeca, um, Toronto International Film Festival, TIFF, yeah. Um, and we're all going to get naked and go outside in the snow and die. We're going to do that, too. That's a reference um, for those of you out there. So, But sort of wrapping up with Rodan, um, this will be the last time we'll see Rodan. Rodan will appear again in about eight years' time in 1964's Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster, where he teams up with Mothra and Godzilla. And the Mega New Line, they'll show up much later in uh, the 2000's Godzilla versus Mega Gears. Oh, damn. I didn't realize. Okay. Yeah. It's been a long time. Yeah, it's, uh, it was it was a crazy callback with that movie. Um I'm very excited for when we get around to watching it because I'm, I'm definitely we'll, we'll get there in time to just to see the sort of the um, the Millennium series and the Heisei films. This sort of like to see like the the old monsters come back in new forms and, and there's I feel I know I've seen Mega Gears but it's been years. I'm interested to see how how they sort of reimplement those characters so many years after the fact. Yeah, yeah, they. The claws, you know, the the claw that like seeing the claws, I, I like, I was like the claw, like the claws stand out, claws, because um, they have those. Uh, the Mega Gears has the same claws whenever they, you know, turn to their fucking dragonflies later. Not not the actual dragonfly, but the monster. So, uh, last thoughts on Rodan? Uh, Rodan's a it's a fun movie. It's uh, like Wenzel said at the start. It's 
kind of like bare minimum when it comes to monster movies. Uh, it's a good movie. It's not my favorite, but like three out of five stars is perfect for it. Yeah, same. I was I same score. Okay. Yes, I I think I'd give it a three as well. I did. I really did like. I feel like the first part was actually probably my favorite. I, just just seeing that un, that sort of uncommon setting in like a mining town and like and probably just see Rodan's rampage in the city and I I really did appreciate that. But I think. Three stars is, is a very appropriate rating uh, for that film. Yep. All right, moving ahead, we have our next film, and that's 1961's Mothra, which is directed also by Ishiro Honda, with special directs returning with uh, Eiji Tsuburaya and score also by Akira Fukube. And this is based off, to my, to my surprise, once I did the research, it's based off a serialized novel called The Luminous Fairies and Mothra, which is like the first appearance of Mothra in any sort of media. It was sort of these like it's from a magazine where they release a chapter essentially a month or a week, and then they all compile that within the year. When was this and that's what magazine the, released? The, the the serialized novel. It was it was the same. Oh, year. Okay, they probably they released it prior to the film. All right, I was curious because uh, if it was like older than Godzilla, then that'd be neat. But no, so it's not. Uh, Mothra doesn't uh, predate Godzilla, but starting with this film, she really be- became one of the biggest characters, not in the Godzilla franchise, not only in Godzilla franchise, but just in sort of giant, like, monster cinema, because Mothra is easily one of the most iconic and, like, most beloved of all the kaiju, I would think. Yeah, I'd say, uh, I know bare minimum, but... Out of all the kaiju, Mothra has always been the kind one that only wants to do good things for people. Well, I think uh, think her kindness empathy may come in later installments because with Mothra's first appearance, she seems definitely much more violent and reckless than any of her future uh, appearances. But her destruction is understandable compared to like Rodan, and we'll get to her reason in a sec. Yeah, because this movie starts with the expedition to a uncharted island where they see the, these um, tiny, these tiny women, and this sort of warrants further exploration from a larger scientific community. But but the problem is, the financier of that uh, expedition is this shady businessman who once he discovers the tiny women, he. He wants to make a profit off of them, which sort of incurs the wrath of the island's guardian deity, and that would, of course, be Mothra. 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 Love the music, again, of course. Yeah, the theme song. It's probably... It's really, like, uh, neck-to-neck with Mothra's theme and Godzilla's theme. They're both really, really good. Yeah, my, um... I remember, uh... My dad had it, uh, several of the Godzilla songs. That one, too, on a floppy disk. Oh, hell yeah. Although, I'm, for whatever reason, I'm just imagining your dad putting a floppy disk onto a record player and trying to play it like that. Uh, no, he would, um, no, he would, we had, you know, we had an old computer. He would throw it in, and we would just sit there and listen to it. And, yeah, it's just crazy. We had so many floppy disks, and we use we used floppy disks forever and, um, you know, VHS. That's so weird. It is weird when I think about it, but I don't know. I think it's cool. A very inefficient way to play music, even back then. It's still interesting, though. It's cool. I love floppy disks. I like to slide the little metal thing. 
That's my favorite part. And and, and uh, do that thing where you're not supposed to touch the disc in the middle, but you do. Yeah, and then I get in trouble because it doesn't work anymore. Wow, I guess you guys suck because I didn't do that. I knew the value of it. Mm, I yeah. didn't. Yeah, you're not a rebel like yeah. us. Yeah, yeah, I was a good boy. I took care of my stuff. Look who's laughing now. But just going to this little behind the scenes a little bit, um, Mothra was the most like elaborate special effects and miniature production of the Toho Tokusatsu to that day, even even more so than Rodan and Godzilla, where it had like actual entire neighborhoods recreated on a one twentieth scale, like in the film, like we like you could actually have these exact locations replicated in the film that people were able to point out specifically. That's pretty That's neat. That's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, one of the, yeah. I, I noticed that yeah. in this movie, they just included a lot of tiny replicas when, like, they didn't necessarily need to. Like, uh, there's a scene where there's, like, a warship, and they use a tiny model warship, but then they're actually on a warship in the next scene. I know it's probably a set, but it looked... It looked like it wasn't a set. It looked like they just rented out a warship. Yeah, maybe. And another, and uh, I was gonna say another thing that what sets Mothra apart from its other counterparts is that, and and top of being like one of the most colorful movies in, in the kaiju landmark to that date, it also has like shifting priorities. Like it, it changes like monster antagonists for human ones. And where it has, like, you know, the, the kaiju sort of living at the end. But that's, a, that's definitely a big difference from the films up to that point. And an interesting point that they sort of they sort of reference throughout the whole film is that the Christian symbolism. Because, like, Mothra is just, like, life, death, and rebirth, like, entity. And then, like, her actual symbol is, like, this glowing cross. So, like... Yeah, Mothra is Jesus like this, Christ. It, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Giant inset Jesus. I love you, Mothra. Pray to you every day. Uh, I wish you were there to hug me. Yeah, it's, uh, I, you know, I never caught that as a kid. And, um, now I, yeah, uh, that was something that, um, I'm, lo- I'm looking at now. Honda was, uh, would do, um, or his ideal, his, he has a, he's an ideal or idea or value, whatever you want to call it, where, um, understanding and cooperation can be achieved through religion and that was kind of his way of expressing that through um mothra that's something yeah. that's a belief yeah i mean you know and that's i don't know that it always that kind of sits weird with me because you know mothra is always uh later uh you know this be- I, I i um i should say that i before i watched the original mothra this one i i saw all the movies all the kaiju movies later where Mothra is, you know, kind, very helpful. And so when I saw this, I was just horrified. I was like, oh, my God, why is she so mean? <laughs> uh, but Because they took her babies, yes, her little yes. babies. I know. Um, so aggressive, though. So scary. And, um, yeah, but, you know, again, another strong, strong, a strong female character, of course. And... Um, uh, Give Mothra a gun. But you know, but uh, well, I was gonna say that when I think about it, like it's just weird that later the Godzilla movies and how she's that that helping hand. It's kind of I wonder if it's like us, like a an underlying or undertone of like religion. Come on, join it. 
I'm busy. Or it, it might be one of those things where it, it happens in a lot of like properties where they they start the character to a certain way, and then like over time they sort of figure out the character in the process of the making future installments. There's plenty of series where a character is markedly different at the very beginning because they're still trying to more so figure the character out. Like, Mothra is more actively destructive in this film than compared to the other ones where, like, of course she's going to cause destruction just by the sheer presence of her giant body. But this one, it seems like some of her destructive aspects are more deliberate. Yeah. No, yeah. No, I totally, totally understand just trying to, you know, do a joke, Pat. <laughs> yeah. Also, I know we had brought it up earlier, but the military, they just fired missile after missile at Mothra's cocoon whenever she was at uh, the uh, Tokyo Tower. Yeah. They did not give a fuck. They fired off everything in the artillery. They tried to kill that worm. <laughs> yeah, they they were like, "Fuck, fuck this." Um. I, also, I was really surprised w- w- after Mothra made her cocoon on Tokyo Tower when they when they used the heat rays to burn it up. Like Mothra's cocoon is made of asbestos or something. That went up super fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, it looks like a. I always uh, look like a, kind of like a potato or a peanut. That's what I always. Uh, that's what I always associate with it when I see it. Yeah, it did look like a peanut. Yeah. Well, that, that, I guess that's kind of um, appropriate because the, the the peop the two actresses, the twin sisters that played the the Shobajin, Mothra's fairies. They're known as as performing artists as the peanuts. Oh, oh that's fine. Yeah. Sisters. Yeah, that's right. I think you mentioned that before. I love the uh, Edo twins. That's their names. Yeah. For Colt. For Colt. And while we're on the subject of the cocoon, apparently in the original version, Mothra was supposed to cocoon herself around the National Diet Building, which is like the political center of Japan. But eventually, but they changed it in the final version to Tokyo Tower. But they would reuse that idea in 1992's Godzilla vs. Mothra. Fuck, man! I'm super excited just to watch the 90s one because of hearing about all these, uh, like, throwbacks to older movies. It's gonna be fun. I bet it's really fun to like for all these movies, uh, from your childhood. If you watched uh, these when they were first coming out, uh, to see them being reused in. Uh, the 90s versions. Yeah. Uh, that, that's something I really do appreciate about Toho when it comes to the Godzilla property is how they uh, well, they really like hold on to the ideas and even if it's different from how it first was envisioned like to see it sort of eventually come to light or like to see the process of the evolution of that idea. Yeah. Yeah, it's really um I don't know. Toho, every time I see them, I, I, they always have like a, a nice little place in my heart because of that. And, um, and I always love, uh, um, poster. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to think of the posters. Uh, man. Sorry. Sorry. I'm just going back down memory lane. Um, something I didn't realize too was, um, a lot of, um, 
a lot of uh, sim or themes, symbolism of uh, like when the when the twins are stolen, it's uh, it's supposed to be uh, symbolize like American occupation and forced westernization in Japan. And yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Goddamn Americans, capitalist pigs. Also, whenever they were actually kidnapping the women. Uh, you could tell that they just used random dolls uh, in their hands. I thought that was very fun. It reminded me of American <laughs> Sniper when they had the fake baby. There was a fake baby in American Sniper. <laughs> yeah, Bradley Cooper had a fake baby. Yeah, yeah. It was a baby doll. Yeah. It was the fakest baby ever put to um, cinema. Yeah, I mean, that, that you know, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I like that. I always like that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, because like of the bad guys, he's like this evil businessman, Clark Nelson. Like there was supposed to be a bigger presence of like America, like them filming in America, and like because there there was like a joint production between the U.S. and Japan, but just for a lot of different behind the scene reasons, that kind of fell through. So they sort of replaced America with the fictional country of Ralsica. something like that. So, it, so the so what was intended to be. A, like these uh, genuine American locales, they sort of just attribute it to this fictional Western country of Rossica. And, like, because, like, literally one of the places where the climax happens in a, is in a, a location called New Kirk City. Yeah, like the final drive bit. It looked like 1960s America, just underdeveloped as hell. Uh, and it was super cool. But then again, in the scene where the shootout happens, it looks like it's in somewhere in Europe. It's weird. Yes, it's, it's very nebulously defined, but also geographically very close to Japan, Western country. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, they have an island named Infant Island. Uh, That's for babies. <laughs> it's for babies, apparently. Yeah, because uh, the, the little the Shobajin, they're tiniest babies, and then the Mothra was a giant worm baby, and they they fucking nuked the island. <laughs> yeah, it made it, it made it made the made all the uh, the villagers mad. Oh yeah, which 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 I thought was there's one part I thought was so strange is like when the bad guys go to, to steal the Shobajin after encountering them the first time. Like, all the villagers come out, and they're, they're, like, making, like, this musical noise to scare him off. And then, like, the bad guys just mow him down with machine guns, and the villagers don't even, res like, react to the fact they're just getting blown away. Nah, I think it's more so that they don't recognize the guns and what's happening. But also, they but gotta they get the little women. They gotta save the little women. <laughs> I mean, I, I assumed they were, like, you know, they're, like, we worship a giant moth. We've seen crazier shit, bruv. <laughs> and like also like when the Shobajin are doing their their song like and across the on the island the the remaining villagers are doing their ritual but it, it i it looked like they had like some kind of weird blood ritual at the same time like they had this big vat of what bright lead liquid that they're like ladling out and dispensing throughout the ceremony it looked like uh paint but i think it was supposed to be blood it's v8 Oh, okay. So, yeah, because V8's paint. That's right. No, because, you know, V8 is, you know, very healthy drink. Um, that's how all the villagers stay healthy. 
Okay. Tomato sauce. That's how they live. That's how they live for everybody by drinking. Uh, oh, maybe it is actually blood because one of the scientists he got captured by the quote vampire plant. Oh yeah, I mean they could harvest the blood from these uh, vampire plants. Mm, I don't know. That's pretty far fetched. Um, that's that's what you just said. (laughs) I like to. I mean, you know, I like my V eight theory, but go off with your fucking vampire. Go go make a pizza with a V eight. Go put. Go make uh, some spaghetti with a V eight. Okay, that would be absolutely god fucking awful. It's just (laughs) tomato sauce, man. It's but it's not even. It's not even tomato sauce. It's like tomato juice. Like very very Uh, thin tomato juice. It's for people who don't like chunky bits in their marinara sauce, Wenzel. That's disgusting. <laughs> just, <laughs> I'm going to make some water spaghetti. I'm going to pour some uh, flavored water on some noodles. <laughs> That's pretty much what it is. Yeah. You make me sick. All right, so wrapping up with Mothra, what are your sort of final impressions with it? Uh, Similar to Rodan, uh... It's very good. I enjoyed it, but um, but due to Mothra not being like the Mothra that I like, which is the kind not destroying the whole city, I prefer the kind one. I, I gave it I gave it like a three and a, uh, three stars out of five. Very fun, very cool. Uh, I like the nut cocoon. <laughs> Um, yeah, I remember when I, or when I originally watched it and when I watched it again, I was like, yeah, this, it's about, it's the same as I remember it, you know, like, bare, bare minimum, um, kaiju movie, you know, yeah, it, it was good, and three out of five, yeah. So, I, I did, I did really enjoy Mothra, I, I really enjoyed the color palette, how it's just, it's so much brighter than a lot of the other ones before, uh, I will say I did feel the length a little bit on this one. I feel like they could have probably trimmed about 20, 30 minutes. And they yes, okay. I was yeah. I was going to say that, but I didn't want to sound mean. I Yeah, uh, definitely felt like it was Even too though long. it's only like an hour and 20-something minutes. Yeah. just Was it not? Yeah, it's, it's 101 minutes, I believe. Oh, okay. that's, it's not the longest movie. That's an hour and 40. It's, it's not it, – yeah, um, but – it's not. It's not a bad movie by anything. I definitely feel like they could have trimmed up a little bit, just kind of made it feel a, a little bit faster paced. But otherwise, it's a it's a very fun movie. And my theory of why Mothra is so mean and the the rest of uh, the other Mothra is so nice is that this is Grandma Mothra, Grand Mothra. So all of her kids, they sort of like they learn from her ways and they get better with each uh, cycle, each generation. Oh, okay, I get that. Yeah. And lastly, moving on to our third and final film of the episode, and that's 1971's Godzilla vs. Hedera. It was directed by Yoshimitsu Bano, special effects by Teru Yoshinakano, and score by Richiro Manabe. And this is about the, the pollution in Japan becoming so abundant that it's starting to affect the world around it. And the, the toxicity is so much that like, a virulent life form starts to form out of the toxic sludge. And just speaking of the sludge, that's where hetero gets his name because the Japanese word for sludge is hetero, and that's where the they sort of base the idea of the monster off of that. So what do we think of hetero? Uh, this 
the monster is really cool. Uh, beforehand, I've only seen Wenzel's uh, header of figure that he has, and I thought it looked kind of like not. It's kind of hard to really understand what the hell I'm looking at. Yeah. But after watching the movie and learning that it's kind of like frog like, I really like it a lot. It's really cool. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, I, I can totally understand that. You know, the figures. Um, the it's from early two thousand, so the um the comic or not comic the movie accurate figures are like uh qual- quality is not you know out there amazing, but like it kind of like gets the shape. But like if you if anybody were to look at it, they'd be like, oh, what is it? <laughs> um, I, man, yeah, I oh this out of all the kaiju movies, this is my favorite. I love love Hedera. Um, it's just. Yeah, really love them. Like, uh, this movie, not only do I love Hedora, like, this movie feels like it's darker. It, like, kind of went to, like, how Godzilla, the original Godzilla, was dark because uh, it was taking a real uh, world problem with, uh, if we don't change our shit, we're all going to die by this giant smog monster. And uh, this movie showed a lot of death. It showed, I feel like, the most death I've seen in a monster movie so far. Yeah. Because I will will say, because you you see the effects of Hetera, like, on a very personal level with the civilians, because there's different points where, like, he, like, as as he takes different forms across the movie, like, he's just expelling this, like, noxious gas, and a lot of people sort of succumb to the fumes or, like, are literally dissolved by the acidity of his fluids or his gases and you see like people like waste away into like like piles of goo and skeletons like there's one point where Godzilla have his first encounter and like when every blow to Godzilla makes on the hetero like j- chunks of the goo slide off and there's one point where this giant portion of it crashes into a, an apartment and you see these men playing shogi and then they do, or they are just like literally drowned by the the, the, the amount of the yes storage. man ah oh, uh i oh man when i watched this as a kid all all of the all of that death i was scared my dad even said was even the same way too and then i was like i was thinking like ah you know it's probably not gonna be the same when i watch this again no uh it was the same i was i was actually creeped out i was like huh like yeah that was totally just terrifying and then something i was gonna say too is that uh, the Hedora's design. Something I forgot is that even today, every time I look at it, it still creeps me out. Uh, it's so uncanny with those fucking red eyes and the black and just that black body. Yeah, because there's definitely a moment in earlier in the film where you see like Hedora's like aquatic form, sort of like barreling towards the beach. Like you just see these giant red eye, like deep red eyes, just sort of poking out of the tea. And like I got a, I got a legit spook out of that. Like it gave me a, a bit of a chill. It's really unusual that it gets like an, a genuine sort of like uncomfortable feeling from like these sort of, and in some way like a, a very trite or not trite, but like a kind of a campy movie by like modern standards. But like it still has like some genuine effects in, in terms of what it could able to get across. Yes, yeah, it's so freaking good. And uh there was another cool effect too when um when the people were first getting hit by the uh the gas and when it was spreading, um when the guy his skin started um it was, you know, they used like a time-lapse effect where like his skin started to burn, decay or not burn, uh 
burn and melt or whatever and then like they did this also like kind of like negative photo negative effect that i thought was really cool man yeah really really crazy really dark you could tell that this movie came out in 71 with the the trippy psychedelic shit that was going on the whole fucking hell movie. yeah dude i love it though yeah it, yeah uh because like it, it, it is very indicative of its era but also, like, if you're not prepared for just, like, some of the rather jarring shifts in tone and sort of, like, presentation, it could be very off-putting or, like, because you, you'll see that they're, like, they're fighting the monster. Then it cuts to, like, this, like, crazy, like, club dancing. And it cuts to, like, this, like, animated sequence. Because there's a few animated sequences throughout the film that kind of just... Hit you out of nowhere. I fucking love those animated sequences, though. Yeah, I, I, that was something I completely forgot about, and I love them. It, it's kind of like, um, they're just kind of there to, I guess, pretty much show like this, the, um, kind of guide you through some like fun, <laughs> fun little stages of Hedora. Uh, Give some uh, little shit for the kids that came to watch this movie in theater to enjoy instead of just showing them dead bones and bodies <laughs> everywhere. Um. Yeah, man, the the seventies, the, the the very um, the imagery of like, um, what would you call that? Like the the color, um, it's like it's like color droplets or whatever spreading or everywhere. Love it and love the music too, especially the very beginning. Uh, I never. Um, I I never knew the lyrics of the song, but when I you know looking looking at it now, it's like it's t- deeply you know sad because it's literally a song about uh the earth dying and trying to get it back and it it because like to me it wasn't a detriment by no godzilla versus hetera is one of the more divisive entries in the godzilla franchise because a lot of people they were sort of put off by sort of the, the psychedelic nature of the film like the the jarring tone shifts like how it volleys so quickly between horror and comedy. Like, there's, there's, there's one moment where, even though the, all this monster attack is happening, like, all the the 20-somethings of the town go to have a, a party on the mountain, and, you know, they're just, like, dancing and having a good time. Then there's just a smash cut to, like, these haunting old people standing in the reeds yeah. watching them. Like, apropos of nothing, I was like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> I <laughs> I could just assume, you know, that's like, uh, <laughs> I don't know, the ghosts of our past are watching us as we're uh, dancing, having a good time on the dying earth. I don't know. <laughs> also, what was the point? Just to draw Hedora to the mountains or some shit? Or are they just having a party on a fucking mountain? I don't know, because... Um, I- I, I they they said something about drawing them like they wanted a million people to a million young people to be there but like I thought maybe it was like a protest or something but then also like what was the what would be the point I don't know what were you gonna say Pat sorry I think one of the interpretations of the film is that bon- that people have interpreted the film as this is Bono having like an indictment on the youth culture and and these. The powers that be, because a lot of people, like a lot of the critics have felt that whether it was successful or not, that Bono was sort of saying how incompetent the powers that be are in terms of like regulating and taking care of this giant global issue like pollution. And he's also showing like how disconnected the youth culture were from, were from like a very pr- 
pressing issue that's facing them in in, in their future. They're, they're they're more concerned about having a party, despite that there's a looming danger in front of them. Whether or not that was successful, that's kept sort of dependent on the person. But that's how a lot of people interpreted those moments in the that, film. I I could see that. That's like that. Um, that's like that South Park episode where. Uh, hippies start coming to south uh to south park and um carmen is trying to kill them all uh <laughs> but like uh stan kyle and kenny all get like kind of indoctrinated and because they're like they're like you know they want to help the world and go against the government but literally all the hippies that come there do are smoking weed and listen to music and they have a huge festival but it doesn't the you know it doesn't raise any money or do anything it's literally just a music festival that everybody getting high and you know listening to music and sex like that's it you know i i, I could see that yeah and uh, another another issue that people maybe had took issue uh, took i guess umbrage with in the film is the change in godzilla's character from being like this monster that sort of represents the sins of people's actions and inactions and becoming to more, becoming a more like cartoonish and like outright hero for children because he because like with the little boy in the film like he very much like godzilla is his hero like you literally see him playing with toys of godzilla <laughs> yeah. in the film and which which i thought was fun i, I really enjoyed like got like godzilla at his progression to a more like less bestial more sentient like character no oh, for sure yeah i mean you know it's classic godzilla at this point and um yeah, the kid was like, Godzilla's Superman. <laughs> I picture that Godzilla knew that the little kid loved him and that he knew he was his biggest fan. He's like, you know what? I got to save this world because there's little kids like that that think I'm cool. So I got to rip out Hidora's heart. Let's do it. Yeah. Oh, no, he had to rip out his eyes, uh, which was yeah. which was so violent, but I love it. And uh <laughs> Yeah, the the film was surprisingly violent. Like in in sort of the the latter confrontation, you see Godzilla like do this cool trick where he knocks over a rock with his tail just to distract Hidora, and he jams his hand into Hidora's eye and blinds him. <laughs> but also he burns that he burns the flesh off his hands. He just has like a skeleton hand for the rest of the movie. Yep. yep. Uh, and something else I was gonna say too about all the all of the kids' kaiju toys, I remember so badly wanting every single one of those. I tried so hard to look those up on the internet. It was crazy. Man, you know what? I'm 21 years old, and I wanted them. I still want those. I still want them now, yeah. <laughs> Nothing's changed. Um, but, man. And also, I I, I I got a big kick out of seeing not only all these old-school kaiju toys, but also seeing... Yes! Toys. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> And like Godzilla even did the Ultraman pose, like when he's fighting Hidora, when Hidora's shooting his like eye beams, uh, Godzilla strikes the uh, pose, same pose that Ultraman does when he does his signature yep. attack, the special ray. Yeah, but but to, in order to block the beam, but then like it, that did, didn't work. But that, that's a very clear nod to you know a, a fellow giant, figuratively and literally in the Toku Kaiju. Hell yeah! God, I love Godzilla so much. Everything about Godzilla is amazing. Uh, the way he like sh- gets ready to charge up his fire breath, he just moves like a toddler, and he goes boy, and he shoots. <laughs> he does the boy hand movements, so, uh, and he shoots fire. That, that was oh my god, that was great. And, and and something else too, I whenever he was moving, he did like like a slide, like a slide in a shimmy. Yeah, like he had like this little this little foot shuffle he was doing, like as he was sort of 
sort of gauging Hedera for their and battle. And when he did that, I, I was like, for a second, I was like, does Godzilla dance in this movie? I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Godzilla doesn't dance in this movie, but he sure does fly. Oh, that was yeah, something I completely forgot about. And I remember for years, my dad would tell me, like, Godzilla flies in that movie. And I said, no, he doesn't. <laughs> And now, I don't know why I don't remember that, but man, that was crazy shit. <laughs> I feel like that'd be one of the big things you remember. I know. It... <laughs> Fuck. That... Because it, I guess uh... to lead up to that, like, uh, they, they figure out that they, they can defeat Hedera by, like, drying him out because he's essentially made of this sled. So they, they build this trap where they dry out Hedera with these giant electrical gates, and then. Uh, there's enough header left that he's able to break out of his like husk and fly away. So Godzilla like literally fires his atomic breath at the ground like a rocket taking off, and then he when he hits the air, he sort of curls up into a ball and holds his tail and flies backwards to gain pace with Hedera's like flying saucer form. He's got to get the best aerodynamic form so he can fly faster. Yeah, and I I thought too he was going to use the scales on his back to uh to help hit you know hit him like as a weapon. Which is pretty much what he, which is what he did. He knocked him on the ground, and because you know Hedera is so weak, and he can only, um, he only has like his, uh, his like most resembles a frog form. He's on all fours with a tail. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but but I should say though, whenever he got electrocuted the first time, Godzilla uh, literally rips out his fucking eyeballs and then crushes them. Does he crush them or no? No, no. He uh, he activates. The uh, thing, and then they turned to dust. It was brutal, but it was good shit. And then uh, he gets into the second fight with Hedora at the end. Fuck. But that and like, I, sorry. Guys. I was gonna say that that second fight was absolutely insane. I think that's the most savage, uh, other than the King of the Monsters savage fight with Godzilla and Ghidorah. I think it's the most savage I've seen Godzilla get fighting another monster. Yeah, because he's like, I'm not gonna let this fucker get up again. Because after he drags the 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 remnants of Hedera back to the electrical gate, turns it on to fry him again, like he literally once he drives out again, he rips open the husk and just like pulls out all the remaining slop that's still there, hits the gate one more time and just dries up the rest of. Him. He's just like, this fucker is dead. He's not coming. <laughs> and back. he starts stomping and dancing on his corpse. It literally, when he starts ripping the shit out, it literally reminds me of Evangelion when Unit 1 starts tearing apart Unit 3. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it was literally like that. It was so fucking brutal. I love it. And cause it, it, that, to me, like, the, the kaiju action in this movie was just so fun how, like, it would be, like, kind of, like, intense and heroin, but also, like, really light and funny when like, him, like, eviscerating Hedera or, like, Godzilla kind of taking a licking in this movie, how he just he gets an eye burned out, he burns off his hand, and, like, he gets thrown in the grave and, like, got, and Hedora just, like, literally vomits. Just diarrhea on him. <laughs> diarrhea. Yeah, he goes into the doo-doo oh, pit. You know, you're right. He does diarrhea on him. He doesn't spit it. it. It's literally just oozes out of his, like, his bottom part. Oh, God. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's the ultimate just, like, punishment. slopping around in a that, hole. That's why Godzilla was so pissed. Yeah, Winslow, just know I've been saving up a diarrhea pit in my backyard, so whenever you can come over in a year or two, you're going in. Fuck. Well... Uh, <laughs> Cole, why don't you walk with it's me? It's a diarrhea pit, Cole, bro. why don't you walk with me 
right between these electric gates. Okay? Uh, Don't okay. worry. Don't worry about what they're for. Uh, I also liked how, too, they just they just kept um, flashing their lights, and Hedorah was completely mesmerized. And he was just like, what the fuck are these? <laughs> what are these? <laughs> yeah, they... Uh, the, the, the army tanks just have like their high beams on, and he's just like completely hypnotized and drawn to them. And that, that's what leads him into the gate. Yeah, it it was great, and that's also too. I I I just love Hedorah's suit, where like because he's like a sludge monster, you know, he has that um uh that shiny like uh, multicolored quality to his skin, like oil. So yeah. so cool, yeah. and also should uh. I'll get to that later. Go, uh, yeah. Because I, I did want to, while we were talking about the suit, I did want to mention um, the hetero suit just for a moment, because the, um, at this point, the hetero suit was the heaviest kaiju suit Toku had made. Excuse me, Toho had made since the original Godzilla film, weighing roughly three hundred and thirty pounds. What the yeah, fuck? It it, heavy. Yeah, it makes total sense too. It, it's so it's big. It's taller than Godzilla, and it has a so like. It's so dense, you can tell. And uh, the suit actor for this, for Hedera in the film, was uh, Kenpachiro Setsuma. And due to the high weight and limited like visibility and mobility, he he would he would really had to struggle to perform in the film. He had, he had to rely on Haru Nakajima, who played Godzilla in this film as well, to sort of to lead them in the fight. And he would also frequently pass out due to lack of oxygen in the Jesus suit. Christ! And he said. And he said the hardest part of filming was just waiting for the actual shot to start while he was wearing the suit. Jesus, damn man! But the thing, but that that's not the worst of it though. The, his most harrowing moment while filming was when he was stricken by a sudden bout of appendicitis, and due to the emergency nature of the condition, the doctors had to operate on him while he was still in the suit because it would take too long for them to remove the Fuck. suit while he was in that condition. Jesus Christ! And, and it gets worse. During this emergency operation, they real Satsuma realized that painkillers had no effect on him. No. Hedora just tearing this man apart. What the fuck? Yeah, because like literally this man is trapped in a giant suit with no air. He's overheating, and the doctors are really cutting him open with feeling full pain, full awareness as they're trying to save him life. And he's trapped in this suit. Like they like they literally had to operate while he was still in suit just to save his life. Man, Pat, damn, that's, that's crazy. He's uh, he was okay to finish the film, right? He was good. No, yeah, he, like he lived, he, he survived. It's just like that was his most like traumatic moment on set because literally all these suit actors they're like heroes in my book because how many of them had to. You know, just what we talked about today, Nakajima, he fell 20 feet into the water. Like, when he was filming Godzilla, he passed out so often that he can only wear the suit for, like, five minutes at a time. Dude, just due to lack of air and the, the noxious fumes. Like, you know, props to all these suit actors who, like, who put their bodies literally on the line to make these movies. Yeah, yeah man. Like, ooh. They get lighter, right? In the 90s movies, the suits get lighter, right? Yeah, they they have some advancements in suit technology, so it's not as hazardous on the actors. Yeah, like, and you know they they uh, they involve a lot more uh, animation and stuff, you know. So, 
or like very like more advanced like puppetry. So for a close up, it's not just a person. Yeah, in the suit. exactly. Um, mm. man, that well, uh, man, it, yeah, damn, created an awesome monster though. I'll say that. Yeah. Uh, and we'll get, just going back to sort of the, the in, intimidating design of Hedera, director uh, Yoshimitsu Bono, he had a, a heavy hand in sort of designing the monster. And he, and he if, if it wasn't obvious, it will be after this statement because um, he deliberately designed Hedera's eyes to look like vaginas, which he called, quote, scary. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, but at the same time, okay, I guess... That to the eyes. I didn't really. I don't really see it still. I don't see. Yeah, I never. I never saw that, and I don't see that now. Um, also, that's <laughs> that's a, okay. Funny. That's funny. Cody would probably agree. Yeah, a little freak. No, I shouldn't be. He's my yeah, brother. Yeah, I feel like most people I, I know in the Tokyo John they kind of picked up on the vagina eyes fairly quickly. Man, yeah, dirty minds. Um. And just, just just some more information about Bono, uh, the director. Um, even though his message of the dangerous evolution was heavily criticized at the time, and even now, it was very relevant to Japan at the time because in 1970, Japan their pollution output was even worse than America, and like it was due to this movie and like several other like contributing factors that would lead to Japan like completely reforming its pollution output and making it one of the most clean burning or clean energy countries in the world today hell yeah yeah um yeah the 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 footage of a of the polluted ocean and all that dead you know fish and wildlife like it was uh even today you know it's very haunting to see that and um and I remember there's a good there was a good scene in there where the um the main doc, uh, scientist that we see in there he he looks directly at the camera and says uh we need to do something about this and I, you know that could be just him just you know speaking out or that could literally him being like talking directly to the audience which I like to think that's what he was doing and it's pretty it's like subtle but it's also not and I love it yeah uh because I, I feel like. And, and, and in a lot of ways, it's in common with the first Godzilla movie where Godzilla is the manifestation of the dangers of, like, nuclear proliferation and the harm that nuclear war has done. Same way Hedera is just is sort of the living embodiment of, like, man's refusal to, like, clean up their act and, and like, the, the constant output of pollution despite, you know, all signs saying, hey, this is bad, things are only getting worse. And, you know, and Hedera wasn't even from our planet. He was from space. He's a he was on a meteor yeah. and you know, but but due to but due to the the toxic atmosphere and the pollution that let Hedera sort of reform and sort of because because it was like very acclimatized to what its home planet yeah, was. Yeah, um, because you know he's not like uh, he's not like us, and um, that was something I I remember. I say I rem- remember a lot. Uh, I just watched this. That was something that was cool was that we get that uh, that huge tadpole. And I don't know what it is, but that tadpole freaks me out every time I see it. I don't know why. Like, something about it, you know. Like, if there was a tadpole that fucking big, I would definitely be losing my mind. Um, they, they've stated it perfectly in the movie. Un- it's like something out of Uncali- Uncanny Valley. And um, it, was, it was cool because it dries out later. And what it's... Uh, 
what it's made out of is they they give it a, a name uh Hitterite, to name after Hedora and uh it's like it literally looks like charcoal and um they put some in some muddy water and it becomes a and they become tadpoles again and um they put them together and they combine and then they do it again and I I thought that was a neat thing like in terms of like lore about Hedora like that that was just cool So does that mean that Hedora comes back at a later time because somebody rehydrates them or some shit? I mean, it, it, it left because the movie leaves off with a with a sequel hook. Will it happen again? And you just see a cut of like a of, of early in the film, but Hedora emerging from the water. Which Yoshimitsu Bono he tried for years to have another sequel made to this film, and a lot of people, due to rumors, thought that. The producer of the, of Toho hated the film and Bono personally so much that he disallowed him from ever making another film. That's not not so much true. They did they did have a lot of disagreements in terms of like directorial style and sort of the direction he went with the film. But he was never that harsh against Bono. But Bono did he did actively try for years unsuccessfully to make a sequel. Like he had an idea where Godzilla would fight a mutant starfish born from pollution much like hetera where he would fight in the um south african coast but that didn't that that idea sort of faded away and uh, he, he bono tried until his death in 2018 to have a sequel made um but it, it, interestingly enough that his his pitch for trying to have a spinoff about hetera uh like destroying the rainforest and leading to a battle with like the an earth garden called Midora, which is this giant monster with large eyes made of algae. His sort of sequel project, spinoff project, him going to the lengths he did that led to the creation of the legendary studios MonsterVerse because him, him trying to go to America to have the film made led to talks between Toho and America to them to. America to get the film rights to make Godzilla films in the states. I that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that he came because I I know they're not the most popular movies, but I fucking love King of Monsters and the Godzilla movie. Man, and King Kong. King Kong fucking ruled too. Yeah, King Kong was sick. Um, that's just sad though. He never he never got to do it, man. That would have been awesome if there yeah. was a sequel. Yeah. So it, it is unfortunate. He did it at the end of his life turn to like fan and sort of crowdfunding to maybe get his film off the ground, but ever since his death, there hasn't really been any movement on there. So that idea might might have died with him. And, and as sad as that is to say, like I th- something very positive was born out of that, and that's just sort of this this revitalization of Godzilla in the West with the with the monster verse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Hedora doesn't pop up ever again. It's the only movies that he's ever in. No, Hedora he does he does return in uh in a much later film. Okay, is it like the one where they all get together? I think it's like Final Wars or some shit like that. Yeah, he's in Final okay. Wars. Okay, all right. I think uh, that's kind of the heads or tails of my notes for um, Hedera. And just sort of wrapping up with this what are sort of our final thoughts on Godzilla versus Hedera this is uh probably it's up there with Mothra being my favorite what's this area Heisei this is Showa okay Show, this is probably uh, it's up there with Mothra versus Godzilla or Godzilla versus Mothra I can't remember which combination that is 
But the last one. Yeah, the Showa one is uh, is Mothra versus okay. Godzilla. It's up there with being my favorite from this because this movie was really, really fun. I really enjoyed it. It was scary. It was funny at times. It had every pretty much every emotion. And uh, I loved just watching the destruction uh, and just the, the scene where he flies over the iron girders uh, emitting his sulfuric acid or whatever it was. Yeah. And the just I thought that was so cool watching the, the stuff just melt. Yeah. But also horrifying at the same time. Yeah, that was a good scene. Thank you for bringing that one up. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, um I like uh I like his uh <laughs> you know, uh where he shoots his little sludge out of boobs. He shoots it out of boobs. I like those. Yes. Um man, yeah. One of my one of my favorite Godzilla movies, and out of the ones that we watch, this is my favorite. I absolutely adore it. Uh, love love just how scary and haunting Hidora is, and the message. Yeah, very good. Um, uh, even today, still. Oh yeah, way. yeah. Oh yeah. Um, personally, this is this was my favorite of of the bats that we watch. I even though there are people who criticize. Um, the tonal shift. I loved it. I loved how it, it would swing from like comedy to horror to like placid in just a few moments. I loved all the weird psychedelic stuff they put in it, the animation to like the the scene would have all the little the different TV screens with all the people reacting uh, with the monster screens happening at the same time. Um, an underrated moment at the beginning of the film with the little kid has like a fucking Bowie knife and. Hitler jumps out of the water. He cuts it all the uh, way down the yep. middle, in like a in like a violent free willy yeah, moment. I thought that part was really cool. I, it was very satisfying. Yeah, watching the knife cut. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I forgot about that scene, Pat, with uh with the TV screens. Stylistically, this was like you can tell this. You know, Honda didn't make this, but like it, like oh man, God. The more I think about it, the more I love it. it it's it's probably the most unique, and I would say like creatively daring of any of what like the Godzilla film it, it's it's so unlike any of the others in terms of like it's directing style it's sort of visual and just like it's singular in its presentation especially in this show yeah you took the words right out of my fucking mouth i was about to say daring hell yeah and I, I, actually if i look if i if i'm correct this movie had its uh 40th anniversary back in the back in july mm. An old boy. So it, it had it had a it had its anniversary this year, and um, I, I really enjoyed it. I'm very interested to see the next the next batch of movies we we'll watch in the next kaiju film. So uh, please look forward to that. We'll be getting to that in the future. Oh yeah. All right. Uh, anything else before we wrap up today? Uh, I just want to say, start watching some Godzilla. It's so fun. I've always been like interested from like outside looking in. I'm glad I'm finally watching them. It's it's a blast, and uh, I feel like it's only it's a smart move to start from the old ones up. Is what I'm feeling. That's you know, yeah. I mean, I would say I would say do it that way. You because you're building up and. Um, it's just like it's so like uh, it's always gonna get, be campy, but it's always just you know superb fun. Uh, actually, Pat, uh, you were uh, it was actually the four, it was the forty ninth anniversary. Excuse me, yeah, 49th. Uh, July twenty fourth, nineteen seventy one. 
um, when it was released. And uh, yeah, man, I love Godzilla. And then like us doing this like series, like uh, I was very, very, uh, I had a busy week and, uh, but I was so happy to have watched uh, these movies. Uh, I was very excited because like, even though I could watch them on my own time, I don't know, just like just the event of like, sitting down and watching them was very um kind of uh sentimental for me i guess uh yeah yeah watch them so very good to hear uh i would say you can look forward to a third installment of kaiju's uh, overview in the not too distant future oh yeah so once again thank you all for listening to this today you can follow us on soundcloud itunes google play google podcast overcast spotify and any rss feed catcher out there Please sure to like, rate, and view and subscribe on all those platforms. It helps us out, keeps the show going, puts us in front of new viewers, and, I, and we obviously just personally appreciate you doing that. You can follow us on our socials on Twitter and Instagram at AYC Podcast, on Letterboxd and Facebook at All You Can Hear, on Twitch at twitch.tv slash All You Can Hear, and our VUDs live on YouTube, and that's also at All You Can Hear. And lastly, you can follow me, Patrick, on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at John Lost His Name. And follow my art on Facebook at John Lost His Name Art. My name is Colt. Follow me on Twitter at ColtD00. Uh, follow me on Letterboxd. I uh, still don't know. Uh, ColtD0, ColtD88, ColtD99. I'll find out at some point. <laughs> I don't know. I linked my Twitter to it, and I still don't know if it's my Twitter handle or if it's something else. I don't know. We'll find uh, out. If people, I think... If you search if you search either your Twitter handle or your real name, I think you'll come up no matter what. Okay, yeah. Well, you know it. You search it. Uh, yeah, thank you for listening. Uh, you can follow me, Winslow, on Twitter at Winslow. You can follow my art Instagram at World of Winsy. Like I was saying, if you want to follow me on Letterboxd, I, if you search up Winslow Wilkie, Winsy Wilkie, or just Winsy, you'll find me on there. Um, follow me on my Goodreads, Winslow Wilkie, uh, probably. Lee Winsy, uh, sorry. Uh, you can uh, in my Twitter or my Instagram bios, I have a link tree that will take you to either of those. So if I'm wrong, you know, you can look there. Thank you. All right. So we appreciate you stopping by today and listening to us. And uh, we're very excited to get back to our favorite time of the year when, it, when we get when we start October next week because we love spooky season. So be prepared for a whole month full of spooky content, everybody. Yeah. yeah so uh, once again, take care of yourselves. We'll be talking to you very soon. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye.